Welcome, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Tuesday, March 31st. As Yes, we are last day of the month of March. It's been a rough couple of weeks, uh, no doubt, around the country, and everybody's dealing with a lot, uh, with quarantines, and a very difficult time for all of us in this country, and we hope that this podcast, along with our college podcasts each and every day, will give you a little bit of a respite, a relief from that. Uh, not uh, in any way uh, nearly as important as what we're going through right now, but if it can give you a little bit of a relief and give you some good thoughts, we're, we're going to beat this, we're going to recover from this, but certainly we don't know We don't know when or, or where and maybe even necessarily how, and so uh, I have been thinking an awful lot about it as um, my focus has been on draft preparation uh, doing my consulting work. So uh, people have asked me, how does it affect you? Really, it's affected me less than probably most anybody I know. I'm aware of it, and I'm worried and concerned for everyone. But I'm I'm just, I mean, morning, noon, and night, I'm doing the same thing I've always done this time of year, is really gearing towards the draft. And I work out of my home, so... Um, and the technology is such that for the past few years I've been doing a lot of video conferencing in meetings, which has cut down on the travel. Well, this year there's no travel this time of year, so that's the one thing that's changed. But for me, I hate to say this, but it's better for me to not have to even bother to travel to just be able to do this from the convenience of my home office. So it hasn't really affected me in that regard, other than emotionally, it certainly has, and aware of people, the economy, people losing their jobs, we're losing people, um, you know, people are dying, um, the stress it's putting on the great folks, I can't think enough, of the folks that are stressed beyond, you don't know how they're going to deal with it, the, the, um, the nurses and the doctors and the technicians and everybody that is doing everything that they do to make this um, a success for us, to get us through this. The people that are doing such a great job of in our pharmacies, in our grocery stores, and getting the shelves stocked and uh, transporting from uh, the byways and highways of the uh, the truckers that are getting the, the, the food and, and products to us. You just, you know, we shouldn't take these things for granted. We shouldn't take life for granted. We shouldn't uh, take things maybe too seriously um, and, and appreciate what we have because uh, how fleeting it is, and we're seeing this firsthand. But anyway, we are always great to be with you. A reminder again, if you're not checking out our college football podcast each and every day, you're missing out on a lot of draft information. If you're a pro football fan and you like the draft and you want to be focused on that, we got a whole lot of that stuff over in our college football shows each and every day. So check that out. Lot and lots of information, more than we can just get to today uh, or get to in the pro show. We've got some news and notes around the league. Uh, we're going to have detailed scouting reports on three big-time receivers, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, Draft Room Style Scouting Reports later in the podcast, and we're going to begin a breakdown of kind of the offseason and team needs and an assessment. We're going to look at the teams in the AFC East. 
obviously Buffalo, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. We're going to work our way through this and get to as many as possible. But a reminder again that our podcast is brought to you by our great folks at 401k Generation. Um, they are the experts in financial services, financial planning. They can answer all your questions that you might have about the market. Uh, they answer. They can answer all the questions about um, uh, investments, 401ks and IRAs. They're licensed in all 50 states. So uh, give them a call. Give them a text. Uh, no obligation consult or just an intro to find out what it is that they do. Tell them that we sent you. Uh, and uh, they're great to talk with. So check them out today at 1-866-998-5879. That's 1-866-998-5879. If we can promote your brand and your product, uh, reach us at LandryFootball.com. Contact Chris, and we will do so today. Um, To get this podcast to your phone, if you're not doing that already, Sign up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. So let's get to today. Now, the owners are going to be voting Tuesday and are going to be implementing um, the seventh playoff team from all indications this season. Um, I'd like to see them and hope that they will probably, I think a good idea would be to put, uh, obviously, as we would see, Triple header games, and we'd have an extra game on Wild Card Weekend. Um, triple headers, it would make a lot of sense to have one conference, say the AFC on one weekend day, Saturday, and the NFC on Sunday, or vice versa, so that all the other teams <clears throat> have the same recovery and preparation timetable. I think that would make the most sense. So hopefully they will do that. Um, they're also going to be discussing certain things, and they have to discuss it. In today's environment, what would they do if they have to reduce the schedule? Now, no one's thinking that that's going to happen, but you got to plan in it. Certainly, not only is there nothing wrong with it, it would be um, negligent to not prepare for some alternative measures if there is a reduction in schedule by, say, four games. Um, which makes some sense. How would they do it? I think they need to hold off on making out the schedules, which normally come out in April, personally. If there's a reduction in schedule, which should be eliminated, is the four games in the other conference. So if you're in the AFC, whatever conference you're playing in the NFC, those are the games that should be eliminated. Um and then because those are the games that they're least important to determine the best teams in the conference because you're not in the same conference. So, look, I think that's something that you'll look at. I think because of the circumstances, they're not going to likely opt to put the 17th game. They'll have the seventh playoff team in each conference. But I think we're going to be 16. So we could be looking at a 12-game schedule if it's, redu- if it's reduced. And you know, how they would do that and how they would play that out and maybe um, training camp would be later. I mean, if it gets to that, I think that ought to be the initial plan. And then you just have to figure things out from there. Um, we don't know where things are headed, obviously. Uh, we're going to take, a, again, um, a look at 
the how teams have done, and we're going to take a look at the AFC East, but want to remind you that we've got an update on uh, LandryFootball.com. Uh, and again, you want to take advantage of the scouting season offer, best offer we've had. And we've got the complete uh, updated player signings by position. So updated free agent boards. Who signed where, what we think of all the signings, as well as who's still available. So check that out. By position, we've got that for you at LandryFootball.com. We also have our draft boards by position, the vertical boards, as well as the horizontal board, regardless of position. Certainly we'll be providing draft room style scouting reports on a number of the players, as we're doing here as well, but much more in-depth there. So you'll want to take advantage of it and see what a real draft board looks like and where the breakoff points are, how players are graded, understanding that players are not necessarily graded where they're drafted. Understand why. Understand what grading does standard means. Understanding what good value means. And understanding how proper evaluation and assessment in evaluation is so critical to having good drafts. So we've got all that for you. So check that out. Remaining free agents, draft boards, we've got it all covered for you. Some free agent news of the day. The Rams re-sign defensive back Dante Dion to a one-year deal. Not tendered as a restricted free agent. He comes back at a cheaper rate. He played 43 defensive snaps uh, a year ago as a deep reserve. Uh, it does not look like the Browns are going to re-sign Demarius Randle. Uh, was never going to return under Freddie Kitchens, but the new coaching staff is expected to move on as well. After playing a deep safety role under Greg Williams, he played all over the field last year. He should resurface as a low-end starter, quality backup. There are rumors that he could uh, possibly join Landon Collins in Washington. We'll see how that plays out. The Colts agreed to terms with cornerback T.J. Carey, formerly of the Browns, on a one-year contract. Carey, 30 in July, was released by the Browns back in February of 17 and has been linked to the Seahawks earlier this month. Any will be his third team um, uh, after entering the league as a seventh-rounder of the Raiders in 17. He played 676 uh, ineffective snacks for the Browns last year. Free agent Everson Griffin is somebody that is on the Browns' radar. It's not surprising given the connections to the Browns' coaching staff. Griffin was with Kevin Stefanski and defense coordinator Joe Woods for multiple seasons in Minnesota. The Browns can save $5 million from releasing Olivier Vernon and have been linked to pass rushers to book in with Miles Garrett. So we'll see if that develops. Uh, the Texans and Laramie Tunsil is in a contract year. Is exchanged preliminary proposals on a long-term extension. Remember, the Texans offered Tunsil $8.5 million per year on their initial proposal, but Tunsil was balked at it and was looking for significantly more. Anthony Costanzo is currently the highest-paid left tackle in the game at $16.5 million annually, while Lane Johnson is the paid top-paid overall tackle at $18 million per year. Whatever happens, Tunsil is going to be the highest-paid tackle when it's all said and done because it's the newest contract. Doesn't turn 26 until August. They paid a lot of money to get to him. In term, excuse me, paid a lot to get to him in terms of trade <clears throat> value. Um, they're gonna. It's gonna cost them to keep him, or you know, obviously he could walk at the end of next year, which we don't anticipate. Which is why it's better to get a deal done now and not put yourself in a bind. Uh, 
Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, perfect example. You don't know when to get a deal done. You're going to get bit in the end. Steelers signed Christian Kuntz, a linebacker, to a one-year contract from the XFL. He's one of three former XFL players they signed, XFL players they signed on Monday. He spent time with the Steelers and the Jags last offseason, but he hadn't played in the NFL, uh, the NFL to this point. They also signed Dwayne Hendricks to a one-year contract. Defensive lineman is one of three former XFL players, uh, again, that the uh, Steelers have um, signed. Again, check out the top remaining free agents available. Position-by-position breakdown of each free agent signing as well as who's still remaining, who might be good fits around the league. We got it all for you. I'm going to talk a little bit about some draft stuff right now. Again, a reminder that the updates on the draft boards on LandryFootball.com are up there. Uh, You want to check that out. There are some teams that are putting out that they have Oregon's Justin Herbert ranked over to a tongue of Aloha. Now, folks, a couple of things. One, I... Absolutely could see that being the case, that some would see it that way. That's the first thing, too. We get into this every year, so I'm going to say it. I guess I'll have to repeat it a few times. But it is talking season. It's lying season. It is persuading season. Somebody that's telling somebody that is telling them for a reason. They're not just saying it just to say it. They want them to know it for whatever reason. Now, this could either be a smokescreen or their long-term durability questions over Tua more than the recent hip injury. Hip, his hip injury is going to be fine, but whether he's durable and can last in the league, there is legitimate concern by some on him. So only takes one team to make a move. Don't know. Here's the other thing. You throw it out there, it kind of set the stage if you're one of those teams because you're not identifying who the teams are you know who are they and you know you well if you look at it if you are one of those people that might be in a position to take a quarterback and you do do take Herbert over Tua if you do that it's they kind of a float the idea out to the media so that if you do take them then you say, hey, you know, a lot of teams thought that. If you end up taking Herbert over to a, hey, you know, they weren't the only one, man. I, we heard this, we heard that. That's what that's what you guys do, right? I mean, you hear all that stuff and you believe all that stuff. It's put out there, just like politics. Let's float it out there. Then, oh, we'll go back to normal April 1st. Well, no, we're not. We'll see how that, you know, fit. okay. It's just, you know, it's just, it's talk. It could be – there's absolutely some people that with concerns about Tour's durability and his size and Herbert's physical skills upside, some will have him ahead of Tua. Some may have him ahead of Joe Burrow for we know. But is it like a thing? No, it's a little bit more of discussion. Now, I will say this. Um, it's also a way to kind of float things out and – you know, get people thinking a number of different directions, and it, it certainly kind of serves as a camouflage of who you truly like at running back. I've told the story many times. Uh, the year I drafted Eddie George, um, anyone that asked about running backs, which I never really talked to the media, but when at least got out, I made sure that people talked more about Tim Biakabatuka and Lawrence Phillips more than Eddie George. 
because I wanted more people to think more more of him and less of the guy I wanted. And it allowed me to trade with the Raiders and get an extra fourth-round pick, which I used to draft an all-pro tackle, John Runyon from Michigan, and still get Eddie George. So it's a time of year where more than ever I think it's done because there's more, there's Internet, there's more stuff going on in this information age. Whereas back then you didn't need to say a whole lot. There was a couple of newspapers, it's that. Now you got everybody's talking about this. I do think we can anticipate the Steelers are going to be thinking running back on draft weekend. When, where, and who to be determined. Uh, but they've got concerns about James Conner. They like him, but I don't think they're going to sign him to a new contract this year. He's entering the final year of his rookie deal. And he was disappointing last year, and, you know, it's a great story. <clears throat> but, you know, you're you're dealing with injuries. And Le'Veon Bell's out the door, and he couldn't stay healthy, and uh, it's a problem. Conner's going to stay, have to stay out of the training room, play well. Or they're going to have to – I think they're going to have to – draft someone, sign someone, they're going to need to upgrade the running back position. Uh, no question about that. Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels and Gareth White are behind Connor, but those none of those guys are the starting answer. And you know that you need to have multiple guys. And right now, the Steelers are not good enough at running back to be as good as I think they potentially could be this year. Um, speaking of mentioning Benny Snell from Kentucky, been asked a lot about my thoughts about Lynn Bolden is on a couple of conference calls today and read my scouting report on Lynn Bolden. And one of the things was asked about by a couple of teams is you know, where would you play him? Where is his biggest fit? And he is a little bit of a wild card in that he's a great athlete. He's a competitor. I mean, he's six one, two hundred. He's a receiver. I think he's got some growth that he needs to develop as a receiver. I think he certainly can do some direct snap quarterback stuff, but you're not drafting him to do an occasional stuff like that. I think you can do some things with him, maybe similarly to what Taysom Hill is doing with the Saints, but he's not as good a passer as Taysom Hill by a long shot. So he doesn't give you that element, but you can line him up in some direct snap stuff, as I mentioned. And I think he can line up in a couple of different receiver positions. But I really like him as a special teams guy. Uh, he can cover. I think he's a good returner. He's an explosive athlete. He's rough. He's physical. And I think he can do some running back stuff as well as some receiver stuff. So he's got some versatility. He's got some toughness. He's a leader. He's a competitor. Um, so... Not quite Taysom Hill because he doesn't have Taysom Hill's passing skills, but he's really good in some of those other areas. Another guy that I've been asked about a lot and have talked about, want to mention that James Prost is a receiver that you're not going to hear a lot about. There's a ton of good receivers in this draft. But one of those guys that's going to end up making it and being what I call a make-it guy and – become a really good player, and I probably am a little low on him in terms of a grade. But James is is good of hands, strong hands, 5'11", 200 pounds. And, you know, I, I, if he's a day three pick, he would be great value. 
I do think he's going to go a little bit higher than where I have him. Only, um, but I I just think the guy's a really good receiver. Doesn't have great athletic ability, but boy, he can catch everything. So um, those are some guys to keep in mind. All right, I want to get into some discussions about um, a couple of players, and uh, obviously get into some some team evaluation. So let's get into a little bit of a look around the AFC East. Where things are, needs. If ever a team took advantage of a favorable circumstances last year, it was the Buffalo Bills in 2019. Combination of a pretty weak schedule in October and a remarkably, remarkably good fortune on the injury front, which is never quite discussed enough. Injuries are a part of the game. Yes, they are. Because if you can stay relatively injury-free or you are in the better end of the scale injury-wise, comparatively speaking to your opponents, you automatically have an advantage there. Um, They had good fortune. Ten-win season. Second playoff berth in three years under Sean McDermott. Um... Only Harrison Phillips went on injured reserve last year. And only a handful of other players missed a smattering of games like Singletary missed three. So that was a big part of it. And and so all credit to coachings, all credit to players, all credit to everything. All that's true. Let's not underestimate the good fortune of injuries as well as the things that you do that may help prevent injuries or recover from injuries, all important. But this team was well-schemed and disciplined, ranked second and fewest points allowed, third in total yards allowed, fourth against the pass, seventh in third down conversion percentage. They allowed 25 points or more in just one game. It's the only NFL team to do that, and they held 13 opponents to 21 points or less. And despite plugging in nine new starters on offense, they continued to struggle to score and find any consistent success. They rank 23rd in scoring, 24th in yards, 26th in passing yards. Josh Allen made statistical strides in his second season, but very much a work in progress as he navigates through some accuracy, ball placement issues, some decision-making problems, all which were in display in the wild card loss to Houston. Um, let's got to take a look at what they've done in the five-year breakdown of their draft. Nobody remains from the 2015 class, and the only 2016 holdover, Shaq Lawson, has disappointed. It's normally a recipe for disaster. Buffalo's been much sharper since Sean McDermott arrived, Brandon Mean arrived. 2017 class brought three starters. Tredavious White, left tackle Deion Dawkins, highly underrated linebacker Matt Milano, uh, 2018 first-rounders Josh Allen, Tremaine Edwards, Evan Press, Still room to grow. Throw in late-round contributors with likes four starters in the 19 class. The Bills are definitely headed in the right direction. Tredavious White probably was, you know, picked the came in a trade down that landed Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's been outstanding. Worst pick, Reggie Ragland. Hadn't worked out. Never really gotten off the ground. Dealt to the Chiefs for a fourth-round pick after just one season. Last year, Ed Oliver. Lost starting job after week eight, but close strong. Totaled five sacks, eight quarterback hits. Cody Ford played immediately in the platoon position, then claimed the full-time job at right tackle, was drafted as a guard. 
Devin Singletary took over as the Bills' feature back down the stretch, finished fourth in rookie rushing with 775 yards. Um, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss quickly earned a role, produced as a receiver without embarrassing himself as a blocker. Bosin Joseph, the linebacker from Florida, landed on IR in August, had seizing injury, uh, soldier injury. Jaquan Johnson, safety from Miami, primarily uh, primarily special teams player. Only de- defensive action was in Week 17, had three tackles. Dal Johnson, a defensive end of NCANT in the seventh round, saw rotational work but played little one defense down the stretch. Tommy Sweeney, the tight end of Boston College, lost an early role when Tyler Croft got healthy. Flashed in the finale with 76 yards. The top four picks all look like hits. The bottom four could produce as well. It's a really good 17 draft. So what? Oh, talk a little bit about the needs going into the offseason, some of the fits that may fit in the draft, free agency, and what they've done in free agency. <coughs> you know, um, defensive end, edge rusher. Pass rush has not been dominant in recent years. The Bills are getting old. Hughes and Murphy, you know, Shaq Lawson, you know, those are the guys that needed upgrading. Receiver, their improvements, but they need a big play guy and they need a linebacker. Um, I think offensive guard, corner, running back, you know, uh, offensive tackle, tight end, linebacker. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. Now, fits, where are they going to fit? Where might there be a fit in the draft? Well, they're not picking early. They obviously – made the move at receiver to get Stephon Diggs. So you're not going to have that early pick, but look at some guys that may be fits in the draft later down the road. Could they be a fit if they could maybe get Jacksonville off their asking price for Yannick Nindakwe? Um, Something like that might be interesting. But – um, you know, certainly Mario Addison is, um, you know, a, a solid signing as is Quentin Jefferson, but you know, not the answer there. Uh, Vernon Butler, uh, it's a two year deal worth up to 18 million. Uh, a guy that's been an underachiever, obviously Stefan Diggs, um, is the receiver that they're looking for that can open up. Um, I do like E.J. Gaines getting him done. Um, and I think Josh Norman uh, certainly maybe helps him at corner and the experience with him. Uh, and then Quentin Spain, uh, a, a guy that's re-signed, it's a, it's a, must, it's a good signing for them. And then Darrell Williams is a guy that's experienced. Uh, if you look at the key guys, I'm curious to see if T.J. Yeldon could step in and become a uh, a complimentary back that can help. Uh, Frank Gore likely not returning, and looks like he's not going to return Devin Singleton. So um, Singletary, rather, and, and and you've got Yeldon. So what they do there is going to be intriguing. You obviously have uh, at receiver um, with Brown and, and, and Beasley and now Diggs. You've got um, – an intriguing trio of guys in a three-wide receiver set. Offensive lines, not bad. With Ford and Feliciano and Morrison, Spain and Dawkins, pretty good group. Um, tight end, I think, is something that with Dawson Knox could get a little bit better. You know, it's it's uh, certainly on defense. 
got to get uh, maybe an an edge guy that can be a really impactful guy. We could see how that might play out uh, come draft weekend and who might be available uh, <clears throat> deeper into the draft, and, and we'll see that going forward. But there's some guys out there that have some potential, have some ability. Uh, you know, maybe a, uh, probably you're going to see a, a, a gross medals gone. Um, but a Bradley and I, maybe a Terrell Lewis, somebody like that might be somebody that they might consider. Um, so that's a look a little bit of kind of where I see them in terms of their needs. Uh, but I absolutely think that maybe another young corner, definitely a pass rusher. Um, and, you know, I think they feel good about the receiver position and maybe a young interior offensive lineman uh, and definitely a running back, I think, is all in the offering for the Buffalo Bills uh, this offseason from from now into the rest of free agency to the start of the draft. The Miami Dolphins, <clears throat> certainly an intriguing season, in season uh, intriguing offseason um, thus far. Last year it was all about, well, tanking this and tanking that, acquiring draft picks. I mean, they sent Tannehill and Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills and Amendola and Tunsil and Juwan James and Minka Fitzpatrick and Keiko Alonzo and Cameron Wake. They sent a lot of good players that obviously they didn't feel were good fits for them. I believe guys like Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick and Kenyon Drake can play anywhere. But, you know, so they got a skeleton of a team. That won seven games in 2018, started 19 with an 0-7 record. The first two weeks, both at home, was especially bad. Got blown out by Baltimore and New England. It looked like it was going to be, well, 0-16's in the play. They're going to have the number one pick. But Ryan Fitzpatrick was benched after the Patriots game, and then they put in Josh Rosen, who went 0-3 as a starter. And Brian Flores really got that team to play well. 5-4 and four in their final nine games. In the end, they finished 5-11. and 11 including wins over Philadelphia and the Patriots, who needed the win to get a bye and couldn't do it. It led to some of the issues we saw in the Patriots in the playoffs, no doubt. But, um, look, I mean, I think that you you see some of the, the moves that they've made. Uh, you wonder how they're going to fit all of them. Now, in, in this current offseason, they signed Eric Flowers. Not crazy about that signing, but we'll see what they can do. And probably gave him a little much, little too much money. We'll see where he fits on that offensive line. Adrian Colbert's been re-signed. Jordan Howard, they like him. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm getting rid of Kenyon Drake so I can bring in Jordan Howard. Byron Jones, they paid some good money to. Can certainly help him at corner. Um, Shaq Lawson was signed over um, at edge. Emmanuel Ogba signed over. Kyle Van Noy. So, again, they're getting guys that's more of what Brian Flores wants. Um, they need a quarterback in the worst way. There's no question about that. Um, they need somebody, and certainly if they start um, Fitzpatrick, they can sit a guy, they could go in that direction. Um, but that's that's an issue. Um We'll see. I still think a young back at some point might be in the offing, but Jordan Howard is certainly the guy they signed to fill that note, that uh, that that position there. Uh, but I don't really like their situation at left tackle. Still don't. 
Still think that's an issue. Still think that's a problem. Um, so we'll see where they go. I mean, you know, Davenport and Dieter and Dieter and Kilgore and Calhoun, they're just not good. So a lot of help needed on the offensive line in my mind uh, for this team. So that's a focus, offensive line help, quarterback help. And, and certainly if you're looking at it in order, the, the priority would be quarterback. Got to find that guy. Got to find some help on the offensive line. Need help at edge rusher. And then just tackle center and guard, inside back or a cornerback. Um, down the line, maybe a young running back, a free safety. Um, and certainly a defensive end and tackle. And they need a whole lot. They need a whole lot that they could they could add to the mix here. We'll see what they can do. Certainly getting a starter on the offensive line, a future starter or quarterback, absolutely needed a, need a starter. Uh, likely um, that they're going to sign in free agency in the interior offensive line. They're probably going to have to draft a starting um, defensive back safety or corner, and probably a starting linebacker. They've got a lot of needs, no question about it. If you look at last year's draft, Christian Wilkins is a day-one starter, led the Miami defensive line in snaps, had two sacks, four quarterback hits. Michael Dieter took his lumps at left guard on a poor offensive line but played 93% of their snaps. Andre Van Ginkle missed the first 10 games of the foot injury, played a lot of snaps in the first two games. Isaiah Prince played briefly, was waived in December, claimed by Cincinnati. Chandler, Chandler Cox uh, played sparingly on offense and leaving less on special teams. And Miles Gaskin was a scratch earlier in the season. We'll see. You know, Wilkins and Dieter started right away, but more is going to be expected. Uh, there's not much else to like um, out of this draft. So, you know, it just wasn't as good. We just by comparison, what we just discussed with Buffalo, not nearly as good. They found several players in the five-year breakdown. Um, you know, Jordan Phillips and Jay Ajayi and Laramie Tunzel and Kenyon Drake and Minka Fitzpatrick, all really good picks. They're not with them. Um, Xavier and Howard. He's had some off-the-field issues, but got some ability. I mean, Tunzel, you know, they they just don't have a lot of talent. I thought they played hard down the stretch. I think they're an interesting team going forward. But, boy, they got to hit big. And pretty much you can throw the dart on the dartboard, and wherever there's a position, it's pretty much a need for the Dolphins, some more than others. Uh, you look at their, their players, Jason Sanders, uh, probably the only guy on offense that had pretty good – Devontae Parker, Matt Hack, um, thought Chris Reed played pretty well. Um, you, you can take a look at the Dolphins free agent strategy post on LandryFootball.com and you get the complete grades of blue, reds, purples, how guys graded out this past year. But, again, some of those guys have moved on. Um, offense, defense, special teams grades for uh, all of the teams, so you can check that out. The New York Jets, another team that's looking kind of big picture, like they've got a whole lot of needs, and certainly looking what they've done here in free agency. Josh Andrews was signed. Pierre Desir was agreed to a one-year deal. George Fant agreed to terms. 
Um, paid him some money. Is he the answer at tackle? Don't know. Um, Alex Lewis, re- you know, returns. Connor McGovern. Um, Rashid Perman was signed. Greg Von Roten was signed to a three-year deals. Three-year deal. Uh, Going to need Le'Veon Bell to get back healthy. But still, um, you think maybe they got the answer at left tackle. Need more edge rush pressure. Uh, still think they need a young corner. Still think a young receiver. Um, center guard, right tackle. Um, a lot of work to do, and we'll see what they can get done in the early part of the draft. They've got some cap space still, and we'll see what they're able to do with the, the 11th pick. Um Maybe a guy like Makai Becton might be somebody that they'll look at. It might be somebody that might be a fit for them. We'll see. Uh, uh, an edge rusher, uh, a Kelvin, uh, Caleb Von Chason, a Jedrick Wills, uh, a C.D. Lamp. There's a starting receiver, offensive lineman, pass rusher <clears throat> at the 11th pick. They got to go find him. Uh, it's been a decade filled with mismatched general manager, head coach duos. Adam Gase getting the power play over Mike McCagnan and hiring Joe Douglas. And, you know, the Jets have had an eventful 7-9 season, 1-7 in the first half and 6-2 in the second half, two losses to previously winless teams, one win over an opponent that finished with a winning record. Still got a long way to go. I still think they got their quarterback. Um, but they got to find them some weapons. Need those changes, more changes on the offensive line. Um, going to need to get, a, you know, more improvements on the pass rush. Um, and so they're, they're going to look to kind of fix those areas, I would think. Um, Robbie Anderson's gone, so that's a weapon that's out the door. You don't know about the future at the running back position. Le'Veon Bell wasn't the answer. Look, I mean, you, you, let's take a look at last year's draft. Quinnen Williams battled injuries but I think it's going to be fine. Chicago Polite failed to make a roster. Spent three weeks on Seattle's practice squad. Was a bust. Was a disappointment. Big time disappointment. Chuma Idoga of USC forced into the lineup by an injury. Struggled before hurting his knee. Trevon Wesco of West Virginia. Limited role as an H-back. Had two catches. His role increased as the season went along. Blake Cashman um Filled a major role early due to injuries, struggled in heavy snaps before landing on IR. And um, and the Austin kid, Blasoon Austin from Rutgers, spent the first half of the season on PUP, impressed and earned the starting role late. Is the best pick of the bunch, their six-round pick. Well, it's the best value, Quentin Williams. But you can't come away with that type of draft when you have that many needs. Poor job last year. Following the trade of Leonard Williams, Nobody remains in the 15 class. And the top of the 16 class was a disaster between Darren Lee and Christian Hackenberg, Jordan Jenkins, Brandon Snell, uh, Lachlan Edwards have earned starting roles, but none is a difference maker. The only impact player from 17, Jamal Adams and Marcus May. And while Adams is an all-pro, has been discussed in trade talks and seemingly happy now, not enough there. Adams is outstanding. Quinnen, Quinnen Williams is uh, an outstanding player. But, you know, look at their offense. There's no blue or red gray players there. And Le'Veon Bell's maybe the highest-rated offensive guy, and he's not played all that well. Robbie Anderson's a good player. He's gone. 
Look at the defense. Jamal Adams is a blue guy. Uh, Quinnen Williams can be a red great player, but there's just not enough of them. I mean, in Futoski, Steve McClendon, Brian Poole, all good players off last year's team. Uh, C.J. Mosley can be a player. Marcus May, Jordan Willis. I mean, those are some guys that uh, that I think could be. And then, again, I think, you know, Leonard Williams and um, was, a, was a solid player. He's gone. So you've got a lot of needs, a lot of spots that they've got to improve upon, um, you know, on this roster. They just are not that good. If you look up and down, you look at the receiving core and say, Where, where's the real answer at receiver? Anua, Anderson's not gone. You don't have any. You don't have good enough offensive line play and good enough playmakers for your quarterback. How's he going to flourish? You don't even have a reliable running back. Um, you know, again, Quinny Williams can be really good in in that 30 front. Um, but, again, where's the edge rush? Can Mosley stay healthy? Can they get some some um, – some quality play. Again, I think May and Adams gives them a really good safety duo, but there's just not enough there. And for New England, also interesting, obviously a major transition. <coughs> Quarterback's a big need in my mind. Big need, huge need in my mind. Jared Stidham, the answer. Well, we'll learn a lot about what they think about him. And I think that there's certain guys that maybe a Tua and a Herbert, uh, maybe Jordan Love. I don't know if they like him or not. Um, but I don't know outside of my mind, Herbert or Tua or Joe Burrow, that there's any quarterback that they could say is better than Jared Stidham. So it's going to be interesting. Look, the Patriots looked dominant in the first half of the season. Went 8-0. It's against a soft schedule. It featured only one playoff team. Um Second half of the season was another story. They went two and three to start the second half, lose to three playoff teams, the Ravens, the Texans, the Chiefs. Um, had a chance to secure first round by. All they had to do was win a home game against the four and eleven Dolphins and the Dolphins beat them. So it let it kind of was a a glimpse into the view of where they were headed and some of the problems that were to be forthcoming. They finished the season twelve and five. Won their 11th consecutive ASC title, but their six and three home record was disappointing. Um, you look at their roster; you know the quarterback situation is the most talked about. But they certainly have got some needs um, at other spots. So let's look at what they've done this off season. Bo Allen signed a two-year deal, defensive tackle, role player. Demir Bird, uh, role player, special teams guy. Brian Harrier, veteran quarterback. Keeping Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, the veteran, has agreed to terms. Matthew Slater, special teamers, Joe Thune, an offensive guard, Dan uh, Danny Vitale. So there's just they've got a lot of needs still. Defensive end, I think they may need uh, another interior offensive lineman. Definitely still need a tight end, another outside backer, defensive tackle, maybe another safety here, an inside backer. Uh, definitely need some help at receiver, big time couple of those guys and I think a young tackle uh, there are a number of ways they can go certainly uh, they're not picking high uh, there's going to be a good player that will still be there but how much of an impact not sure uh, don't know if they can go quarterback there but I think there'll be an edge rusher that can help them there could be a safety that can help them 
Um, I would not take a Cole Komet there. I don't think that tight end position is um, is of value with their first pick, but maybe at some point. Uh, Adam Troutman from Dayton might be a guy that could be a good pick on the second round that I've been touting. Makes some sense. They're not have been big players in free agency and won't be. So we'll see how this plays out. Look, they've got um, still some good players on this team. They're going to have to get more playmakers around the young quarterback, make sure that the offensive line is secured, and they're going to have to rush the passer, play really good defense. And um, obviously, Kyle Van Noy is a loss, a good player. Stephon Gilmore and Devon McCourty are good, red, great players. Um, so they've got some good players still on that roster, but do they have enough? Can they still hold on in that division? Not sure. Um, I, I still I think right now we'll we'll let this play out, but their roster is definitely shaking comparatively speaking to what it has been in the past. And the Buffalo Bills certainly right now have a very competitive roster as it relates to New England. We'll see what they can do the rest of this um, offseason. We're going to have, obviously, a little bit closer to the draft, we're going to have a complete evaluation of draft strategy for each and every team, but certainly that gives you an idea. We'll take a look at um, at the uh, – well, we'll go with the NFC East tomorrow and, and kind of do it that way and take a look at each of the teams, what they've done to this point, uh, where they need to go, and what needs to happen going forward. But let's take a look at a couple of players in this draft, Jerry Judy, three to be exact, three receivers, Jerry Judy, uh, one of the more coveted wide receivers coming out of the Miami area. Uh, Big-time receiver. Um, to me, he's a bigger, more athletic version of Calvin Ridley. A little touch of Antonio Brown on the field playmaking ability. Um, made most of his – well, made all of his production pretty much out of the slot. Doesn't face a lot of press coverage. Too quick for corners at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think it's going to be tough for people to press him with his quickness, even at the NFL level. Elite deep speed that shows up in every aspect of the game. Um, he makes defenders miss with the ball in his hands. He understands how to leverage defenders. Um, he's got superb ability at the catch point. Um, even though he's not big or physical, he just does – a natural job of positioning his body. Uh, natural hands catch the football out of frame, pluck the football effortlessly, deadly in the open field, can take it to the house anywhere. Um, he, he'll kind of turn some over the middle of the field, turn some down. Slight build, got to fill out his frame, but uh, really, really um, a playmaker and uh, a dynamic playmaker at the next level. Um you know, I do think he's a little bit better than Ridley, much better athlete at this point, I think, or better athlete. I think he's a big-time playmaker. His teammate, Henry Ruggs, is another guy that I think is going to surprise people how fast, how good. Some people in the league think he's better, and I understand why. Um, another four-star prospect it came out. He's a speedster with great route-running ability and the ability to make the play short to deep as well as the deep to short. 
Not as good of a route runner as Judy, but more courageous over the middle. Um, to me, he's Santana Moss. I mean, that's what he reminds me of. Unbelievable speed, fastest receiver in college football. <clears throat> he's a pinball, uh, go over the middle, great on jet sweeps, great tracking the ball, ability to get off press, press coverage. Really um, not as good of a route runner, as I mentioned. A little bit straight line-ish. Um, contact gives him a little bit of trouble. Um, doesn't use his body or his hands as well as you'd like to. He's a little bit of a hitch off the line of scrimmage. But still a really good player. Explodes off the line of scrimmage. Playmaker. Can stretch the field. Can make the plays with the ball on his hands. I mean, both of these guys going in the first round. There's no question about it. Um, C.D. Lamb, another great prospect at the receiver position. Definitely going to go in the first round as well. Richmond, Texas native. Um, it might be as good as Judy, and some people will like him as much. He's um, He's got a Robbie Anderson frame build. Um you know, his speed is not great, um, e- elite level. Um, speed is not what he's about, but, boy, his hands, his yard after catch, his route running, his release, unbelievable making people miss in a phone booth. Play strength is far better than his listed weight. Um, High-quality ball skills attacks the ball. One of the best hitch routes I've seen. Now, he doesn't run a great route tree, but the hitch route's really good. Flexibility, can sink and stop and work back. He can manipulate defenders throughout the route. Uh, 26 broken tackles were phenomenal. Right up there with the best in the country. Uh, Doesn't expose his chest at the line of scrimmage. He really uh, gets a lot of free releases in that system, there's no doubt, but he can avoid press. Um... He is not really great at, again, running the route tree or selling his routes or selling the double moves. Uh, And speed is maybe what separates him. It's what maybe keeps him below Judy and Ruggs. If that's where it goes, that's going to be the reason why. Uh, But he's just simply outstanding. There's no question about it. He is outstanding. He's going to have a great future and um, slim frame, smooth athlete, uh, well, he's just – he's with the ball in the air, he has the ability to work through defenders and win in contested situations. He anticipates so well. He's got experience as a returner. Listen, I think he's a big-time playmaker. So the team's looking for a playmaker at receiver. They've got a few right there. And I think there's another one in Justin Jefferson that we'll get to talk about here. Uh, probably tomorrow we'll get to him along with a couple of other prospects. Hey, a reminder again, uh, check out LandryFootball.com for complete film room breakdowns on all these prospects. Look at the draft board. See where these guys are stacked. It's always fun this time of year to take a look at that. Um, To get this podcast, make sure that you join up for Landry Football's conference call. And remember to check out the college podcast 
for more draft information. We got a lot of film room nuggets on a lot of prospects each and every day. You can go back and listen to them. And it's a little tip. We tend to kind of break it down by region because there's so many players. So when we talk kind of ACC or SEC or Big Ten or Big 12 or Pac-12, think conference players or teams in that region. So if it's a Memphis player, it'll probably be in the SEC show. If it's a if it's a Marshall or a or a or a, a Charlotte player, it's going to be in the ACC. If it's a if it's a Houston player, you know it's going to be in the Big 12. It's a you know if it's going to be a Boise player, it's going to be in the Pac-12, and so on and so forth. So check it out. If it's going to be a Dayton player or somebody, check it out in the Big Ten. So we got a lot more draft information uh, in addition to what we're doing here. Uh, over on the college football show. And, of course, again, your real tool that you need to use to be prepared for the draft, to be prepared for free agency, to understand personnel, to understand the process better, you want to go to LandryFootball.com and take advantage of the discount today. It's the best one we've had, uh, and it'll get you a an advanced view and a real look at what an NFL draft board is like. Uh, check out the folks at 401K Generation. Um, you can reach them by phone or by text at one 998 5879 They're licensed in all 50 states. They can help you with any questions you might have on financial planning investments. Get you a first opinion. Get you a second opinion. Get an opinion. Check out what they do. They're the best at what they do. Uh, they're part of our family because we trust them, and we know the great job they've done for folks. So check them out today at one 998 Five eight seven nine. That's one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. You want to become part of the show, uh, and we can brand you. Drop us a line over at contact Chris on LandryFootball.com, and it's also where you can go to drop a question if you want me to address something here on this podcast or on the college podcast. We can get that done for you. Appreciate you joining us. Again, join us again on the College Football Show. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of the Pro Football Show. I'm Chris Landry. Be safe. Take care. Talk to you. More football talk tomorrow.